Money talks. But so do we. I'm Lauren. I'm Kat. And I'm Daniel. And And we're we're your your friends friends with tax benefits. We are here to sound off about write-offs. To get wise about wealth building. And take the taboo out of tax talk. We work at TurboTax. So obviously this is what we love to talk about. But we're not here to replace your tax professional. In each episode, we'll share real talk about money with our personal opinions, advice, and jokes about all things financial. What we won't do is share any opinions on behalf of Intuit, TurboTax, their brands, or employees. Did the lawyers make you say that, Kat? So stop scrolling on Tax Talk. Call your financial professional later because it's time to talk tax, friends. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friends with Tax Benefits. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Kat. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Daniel. Hi, Kat. Hi, Lauren. Nice to see you both. Always a pleasure. Let's dive into the topic of the week, which is going to be investing. So as I was doing my prep for this topic, I thought about one of my favorite modern investors, the iconic entertainer and businessman, Jay-Z. You may not know this, but Jay-Z and his venture capital firm, Marcy Venture Partners, have invested in nearly 100 companies. Even in the years when he's not putting out a new album or touring, he makes hundreds of millions of dollars just through his investments. He really thinks about diversifying and growing his income. It's really interesting and innovative, especially in this culture where a lot of us have multiple jobs or gigs or side hustles. I think expanding our perception of ourselves to think of ourselves also as savvy business people can really help us elevate our vision of what we see for our financial futures. I think it's great how like obviously he's known for being an artist, but it like in recent years hasn't put out like much music, but obviously is still gaining on his net worth. You know, that's cool. And I don't know a lot about Jay-Z, but I do know from what you're describing that he's not out there with a storefront. He considers himself a businessman because he's an investor. And so what's interesting about that is this topic is investing for this week. And that perhaps should make us all, if we invest, consider ourselves a little bit of a businessman or a businesswoman. Yeah, very true. So speaking of investing and how individuals are getting into the game these days, I'd love to dive in to learn more about each of our personal experiences with investing. Daniel, what has your journey as an investor been like? I want to just invite the listeners to explore something called index funds. They're also called ETFs. And when I say that, it's like the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ or the S&P 500 are examples of that. And essentially, index funds, they represent the market as a whole. And when you invest in, in ETFs or index funds, the fees are incredibly low. There are no capital gains taxes you know, on an annual basis. The investments are, by default, diversified. So my personal strategy is put my money in index funds to contribute regularly with automatic contributions for my paycheck. And I just don't ever touch the money because I want it to compound interest over my career. And when I turn 60 to say, yay, my money grew for me. And I don't have to learn a lot about this company or that company. I just say index funds, I'm investing in the market. And it's done really, really well since I've done that. So Daniel, I love that you mentioned index funds and ETFs. And I'd love to break that down even more for the investing newbies. So what do you mean when you say index fund or ETF? Let me give you an example with the S&P 500. 
the S&P 500 is essentially made up of, of around 500 of the biggest U.S. publicly traded companies. And so when you say, I want to put $1,000 into the S&P, essentially you are investing in the success of 500 of the, the biggest companies within America's publicly traded markets. And if one of those companies tanks and you know goes out of business, well, then they just are no longer in the S&P 500. And then and another company fills their shoes because it's always full of the top 500 U.S. companies. So essentially, you're betting on the success of big U.S. companies. And for me, I'm, I don't want to research individual companies. And I say, hey, I think America's economy is going to do well over the long term. So I just want to invest in the S&P 500 without having to spend lots of time re- researching individual companies. For those people who say, how do I get involved in that? You can just... Google invest in ETFs or invest in index funds because we're not going to make specific recommendations, but it's there's lots of lots of companies that will will help you do this and again that are very low fees, et cetera. So you can just research how do I invest in ETFs or index funds. Right. I think we're mentioning the S&P 500 because that's one of the most famous examples of these, but there are a lot others out there and they may be based on technology or there's some in emerging markets or there's some that are more ethical or green companies. So I think you can also find a fund that also suits some of your interests or passions, for example, to keep making sure that your dollars are are safely spread across a lot of different categories. So I just come back to Jay-Z and when you were saying the things that he invested in, it's things that he believed in or things that he had a passion for. And you can do that same thing with ETFs or slash index funds is what do I really care about and what do I want to put my money without having to be incredibly well-researched on a single company, which is the best one. You say, I want to invest in green technology. Then you can Google green technology ETFs and there you go. I think it also does help to invest in what you know. Right. So one of the benefits of investing in one of the really well-known funds is you probably know and you use a lot of the companies that are represented in those in those funds. So if you're also using and passionate about companies in other sectors, investing them can be a really interesting idea. So, Kat, I know that you also have a really unique story about how you began investing. Can you share more about that? So I was fortunate enough to get my start in investing at an early age. My mom hired me as an employee. And when I say that, she had a small business that she also ran out of our home. And um, I did meaningful tasks like answer the phone or uh, file away papers. And the income that she paid me as an employee, we used it to open a Roth IRA or Roth IRA. If you're not familiar with what a Roth IRA is, it's basically money like a retirement account, that money you put in after you've paid taxes on it. That income, that paycheck that I was earning, she was putting it into this Roth IRA. And then to take it a step further, we decided to put that income with an index fund. And I continued to contribute to that Roth IRA, continued to be her employee until I was about you know 18. And that money with time being on my side, obviously. So you're retiring when you think of like in your 60s or the rules of it, you're supposed to, generally speaking, not take the money out before you're 59 and a half. So giving me those like 40 years for the money to essentially grow, because like Daniel said, you can earn compounding interest. So at that rate, back when I was 18, it was projected, so hopefully that it would be worth around 1.7 million by the time I was 59 and a half. Obviously, it's just a projection. So like, you know, Daniel was mentioning, it works with the market. It also rises and falls. So 
you know, $1.7 million of projected value versus some Pokemon cards and bubblegum. Like that is awesome. And I know at the time I was like, I'm working and you say you're giving me money, but like what? (laughs) But what was also interesting to me is that typically if you take that money out before you're 59 and a half, because it is a retirement account, you're going to pay an early withdrawal penalty. But what makes it interesting is that there are slight exceptions. So if you were going to purchase your first home or use it towards college expenses or the birth or adoption of a child, those expenses, you could withdraw that money that you've invested in this Roth IRA without paying an early withdrawal penalty. So that was something that was also interesting to me. I always had that like in the back of my mind. Now there's other retirement accounts that you don't pay tax on it now. You put the money in pre-tax, but then when you withdraw, you might have to pay some taxes on that money. Like a 401k, right? So yeah, Lauren, kind of like a 401k. With the 401k, you're putting the money in pre-tax And then when you are going to take that money out, there may be taxes associated with that withdrawal. So you're probably thinking retirement accounts, what does that have to do with investment? In essence, you're investing in your future. You're investing in your retirement. So in my situation, the Roth IRA is placed with an index fund and those funds have the opportunity to gain compounding interest until I retire. Right. So compound interest is really a fancy way of saying interest that grows or compounds over time. Yeah. So if you had $100 and it earned 10% this year, so then next year you'd have $110. In the subsequent year, if that $110 is you just keep it there and you earn 10%, again, you're earning 10% on $110. So then you make $11 next year instead of $10. The interest is earned on top of the prior year's interest. And so as your money grows, um, if it's $50,000, 10% is $5,000. And so next year, you're making 10% on $55,000. One other way to think of compound interest in a more negative way, when your debt compounds um, is to think about compound interest in relation to credit cards. And this is pretty scary. So if you think, you know, oh, I'm going to just have a thousand dollars on my credit card and I'm, you know, I'm not going to pay it off. Well, so a credit card, the interest rate can be really, really high. And so imagine that the, you know, credit card, you have a thousand dollars on it and it's a 25% interest rate, which is not uncommon. You know, if you don't pay it off at the end of the year, you owe $1,250. And and then the next year, that 25% interest is applied not to $1,000, which was your original debt. It's applied to $1,250. And over time, it just grows and grows and grows. And so if you can avoid getting in that credit card negative spiral, um, because compound interest and that interest rate itself are, are really tough to get out of. So this idea of investing and doing the work now to reap the benefits later, I think a lot of parents can also think about their kid's future college fund or education fund. So what I do right now for my son, and I was fortunate enough to also have a 
prepaid college plan. So living in Florida, it's called the Florida Prepaid College Tuition Fund. It's similar to 529 plans. Each state have their own. And essentially, you're locking in the rate of tuition now or like when you sign up for the program and you're able to use it in the future. So for my son, I started a Florida prepaid plan for him. And if he even decides that college isn't the route for him, he's able to use that money towards um, maybe a vocational program or maybe he just doesn't want to go to school in Florida. He can maybe take those funds out and apply it in another state or just get that money when he's of age. I find it so interesting, Kat, your stories about how you're investing for your children and how your mother really helped set you up as an investor at a very early age. In my family, my parents didn't really talk about money. They had made for themselves a lot of really financially wise decisions in terms of their career paths and how they invested and how they saved. And I decided to really start learning that for myself. So at that time, I started getting books from the library, and I actually bought my first few shares of stock back when I was in college. So even though I didn't have much to invest back then, I put a little bit of money into stocks, and it has grown really significantly. So a couple of my top lessons, even if you've never invested, even if no one has taught you how to invest The fact that you're listening to this podcast now is such a great step in your education. And I want to encourage you that there are so many resources out there for you to learn about these things. And if you can put aside just a little bit of money for your saving and investing, that can go a long way with time. So it isn't too late to get started and it's never too late to learn or keep learning. And when it comes to investing, I think I've now got a couple of philosophies. One is First, focus on savings. It's really important to have your short-term financial needs really met and covered before you're investing because in most cases, when you're putting dollars into investments, that's money that then you're reserving for the midterm or the long-term, but it's not money you'll want to pull out of the market right now. So I also recommend having a cushion in place for an emergency fund. A lot of people don't have $1,000 saved in case they have an emergency and need short-term cash. And what happens in that case is you might have something come up. Maybe you have a fender bender or you have an expected medical expense. Then you might have to go in debt to cover the cost. And going to debt can really set you back financially. So I like to have a little bit more than $1,000 for my emergency fund because that makes me feel like I am financially safe and secure. And when that's in place, then I recommend going into investments. And then when you're thinking about investing, think about what resources do you have? So a lot of companies offer what's called a 401k match. And what that means is for every dollar that you put into your 401k with a company, they might match it up to a certain amount. So for example, your company might offer a program where if you put in a dollar, they'll put in 50 cents for you up to a certain amount each year. So I recommend if that's an opportunity that's available to you, do your research on it and invest in it. Because if you have a company and they're offering a 401k match and you're not taking advantage of it, you're really leaving money on the table. Because that's a really quick way to increase the money that you're socking away for retirement. And another win with putting away that money in a 401k in the short term is that you're reducing your taxable income. 
So the money that you're going to end up having to pay tax on. So if your normal salary was $30,000 and you put away $3,000, that's $3,000 away from the income you would have to pay tax on when you file your taxes that year. Right. Because a 401k is pre-tax income. You're not taxed on that money right now. You'll be taxed later, but it's taken out of what's called your taxable income for the year that you sock it away. And the cool thing is, even if you're self-employed, there's ways that you can also use investing in your retirement to decrease your taxable income right now. So if you're self-employed, there's programs called a SEP IRA or a Simplified Employee Pension, and you can set aside money now that will allow you to save for retirement. If you feel like you're ready to take it a step further and take on a little more risk, there are other ways to invest. So I invested in a streaming company before I even got into streaming. And in doing that, I did what's called investing in an individual stock, right? So instead of investing in a fund that's a basket of a lot of different companies, I invested in one company. And I tend to invest in companies that I know and like. And I also do a lot of research. So with any company that has stocks for sale, essentially a stock is a partial ownership in a company. And in order to be listed as a stock, companies have to share quite a lot of information about their financials. So how much money they're making every year, how much they're spending on different expenses, and all this information is available to you online. So you can literally Google a stock or you can go to the company's website. Most companies that are listed publicly have what's called an investor relations team. And there'll be a whole website dedicated to investor relations. And there you can find things like company announcements about their earnings. And the more you can dig into these documents, the more you can understand, do you think the company is going to be growing over the short term? What are their biggest competitive threats in the market? How are they doing year over year? Are their profits going up or down? Are their expenses going up or down? What are they making investments in? And the better a picture you can get of how the company's doing and what you think their growth trajectory is, the better you can get a sense of whether or not it might be a good investment for you. There are also a ton of people who get paid to do analysis on these things and make recommendations on whether something is something you want to buy, hold on to, or sell. And as you're learning, it's also a good idea to Google this kind of information to get a sense of what other people who analyze this stuff for a living are thinking. And I think it's important to keep in mind that even the best research will not help you to 100% predict that your investments will go up in time. Life happens, that applies to investments as well. And no matter what you invest in, whether that's stocks, crypto, real estate, NFTs, there is a risk that your investment will decrease in value. So we know y'all have a lot of tax questions and we happen to have a tax expert right here. Let's get into Q&As with Kat. This time, we're sharing some questions that came through to TurboTax on Instagram. And if you have a question for us, you can always share with us there. This is probably a question for a lot of people because crypto is so hot right now. How come you're taxed if you convert crypto to another crypto? So the IRS considers crypto as a capital asset, like a stock. You have to pay capital gains tax if you recognize any gains from the exchange of that crypto. But then on the flip side too, you can also recognize any losses that might've resulted from that exchange. 
So gains are a fancy way of saying if you made money, right? Yeah. So if you made money on converting that crypto, then that's considered a capital gain. So you're, essentially, you're saying you bought something different, Kat. And so if you bought you know, Netflix and you made money and then you used the money that you made and you bought Apple, they're different things. And so- Yeah, they don't consider it one-to-one. -one. They consider it like you would if you were to convert a stock. This next one is super timely. We've been getting it a lot. How is the inflation rate impacting investments? A very relevant impact of inflation we just saw is the Federal Reserve raised the interest rates in an effort to slow down the demand for spending since rising rates will make it more expensive to purchase things. From an investment standpoint, the increase in rates will make it so that certain investments like a home or rental property are more expensive for people. If people have credit card debt, they may also see higher rates and the cost of debt will be increased as well. Great. Thanks for that answer, Kat. If you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on the TurboTax blog, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Friends with Tax Benefits. Catch you next time. Bye, Lauren. Bye, Kat. Bye, Daniel. Bye, Lauren. Friends with Tax Benefits is an Intuit TurboTax podcast produced by Frequency Media. We're your hosts, Daniel Thrall, Katharina Rickmans, and Lauren Thomas. From Intuit TurboTax, Jane Lahani is our executive producer, and Tony Melinda is our video producer. From Frequency Media, Jordan Rizzieri is our producer, Catherine Devine is our associate producer, and Matthew Ernest Filler is our editor and sound engineer. Concept development by Jessica Olivier, Jill Pashesnik, and Isabel Moncloa Daly. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. 